Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 53 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hey there, Oscar fans and college football fans. Hey, all right. We are back. We're here to discuss the Nebraska-Penn State game, as well as um, the results from uh, the week 12 of college football, and uh, preview this upcoming uh finale to the season all the big rivalry games um talk about the new playoff rankings all sorts of stuff like that uh and to start things off we're going to dive into that nebraska penn state game uh which neither of us you or i um got to watch live as i was at a convention um just kind of checking the score sporadically on my phone uh whereas you were working that day that's right uh thank god (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, neither of us made the, the, the big effort because we assumed it was going to be a beatdown. Um, as you can see, when we'll, I'll, I'll get into our predictions here in a bit. Um, but I, I watch, I've seen clips of the game now and um, kind of looked at the scores and what happened and the stats and all that stuff. Um, and it is interesting that, I mean, early on in the game, we were winning, actually. It was 10-3. to 3 at one point, because I think we got like an interception right. or something, or it wasn't an interception, but there was something good that went our yep. way, and we got a quick right. score. And it looked, yeah, right. right, right, and well, and and but 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 that is important in that it shows that that we have some talent on our team, and early in some games, we've sometimes shown shown flashes like that, but the fact that we haven't been able to actually ever do anything with it really drives me crazy right well that's what i i keep thinking about uh you know wisconsin's getting all this talk you know now that they're on the cusp of uh possibly being in the playoff and the top four and all that um but uh in our game you know in that first half i mean we were the better team in that half and would have been up by more points if we weren't shooting ourselves in the foot with those stupid mistakes you know um we were finding some good success against their uh, defense offensively and you know I think we had a, a really bad pick right at the start of the game that gave them like seven easily um, but you know until they kind of discovered how potent their running game would be and just started jamming it down our throats um, right. we were actually doing better than them absolutely absolutely and that's that and that's the thing that's what that's what shows me that that you know a a properly coached and mentally tough football team with the talent level that Nebraska currently has on its roster would have been a competitive football team this year. So, right. Well, and speaking of that, um, uh, I was listening to that, uh, uh, Tommy Frazier podcast that I've talked about a couple times on Uh this show, um, where he was talking about the Penn state game and they brought up an interesting thought of, uh, what if we still had Tommy Armstrong as our quarterback, um, would that have prevented some of these uh, losses that we've had just by his ability to scramble out of the pocket and get first downs when things break down, considering that our offensive that, line has been so bad? Well, that, and that's selective memory. I mean, Tommy was also notoriously bad at throwing interceptions to the other team and making horrible decisions, which, which uh, would have uh, also played into those scores too. And, and uh, no, I, I honestly think that our, our record and the nature of the games 
might have been different, but but our record would be pretty similar. Um, uh, to be to be frank, uh, because uh, at the end of the day, again, my big hangups is uh, I really believe that the, the team has has got some talent or had talent, uh, but that we were a team that um, underperformed because uh, I don't think our, our coaches put our players in their best position to win. Uh, and I mean that uh, when, I, when I, I'm referencing play calling, I'm re- re- referencing you know, defensive scheme and, and choices made about pressure and not pressuring and things of that nature uh, at very critical points in games throughout the season. I mean, so many decisions were made this year that just look to be concessions rather than to, to try to play to win. And that's the part that just drove me crazy. Yeah. So. No, you're right. And the play, the play by bad play calling would still be the Achilles heel of the team. Uh, personally, I think, because you'll recall that I think Tanner Lee in those first three or four games, he threw as many or more interceptions than Tommy did all last season just in that succession. So I, I, I think, actually, if you look at the stats, Tanner's worse than Lee or than Armstrong in terms of the interceptions. Um, however, yeah, you would have to take into account like some of those drives we've had where Lee's arm, you know, was what uh, got us to do that. Uh, you right. know, we wouldn't get those with Armstrong, but I think he had a more solid leadership on the team, you know, that kind of don't give up attitude um, that he had, right. I think, right. would have helped us out in some situations like against Northern Illinois. Um, totally agree. You know, totally so. agree. I think well, we'd, be, and, we'd be a little better off if we saw Tommy, but not that much. Maybe a game not, or two. Not that much. Right, exactly. I mean, maybe we don't beat Purdue, you know, but, but instead we beat Northern Illinois. And so your, your record ends up being about the same. But, but, but you don't have that Northern Illinois loss that's it's so embarrassing, right. uh, you know, on your resume. And, and, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, bottom line is, is that um, it's a team that I think uh, collectively has some talent, but that that talent doesn't even know how good it is. You know, the, the, even our, our own players don't understand how good they could be if they actually gave, they, they think they're giving great effort. I guarantee if you, to the man, if you walked up and asked him, they wouldn't say, oh yeah, we're sloughing it. We're not trying very hard. They would all tell you they're trying as hard as they can. But anybody who watches the game knows that there's an effort being exerted by the opposing team that's far greater than the, that being exerted by our team. And that's because they, they, they've not practiced and prepared and, and been trained to play at that level of intensity. Uh, that, that intensity just does not exist in the preparation uh, that our team has prior to games. And it's going to, I think, speaking of, of that that game, we can talk a little bit about the Penn State game. I think that played out in this in this past week again, uh, where uh, ba- basically uh, you saw a team that was playing. Uh, not only did does Penn State have better players than us, uh, but they played with a far greater intensity than we did. And only after their intensity was diminished, uh, because they had basically secured the victory, uh, did we begin to be able to move the football and and score some points. Right. Well, yeah, and it is worth noting, I would say, because it's interesting to look at the how the points uh, progressed over the course of the game. Right. Um, because, and now I just lost it there, go back. Um, the, we were, it was 10 to 42 at halftime, so right. up 32 points, you know, that's a pretty solid lead. 
Um, but then in, yep. the, in the third quarter, and I think they still had their first teamers in in, in right. a good bit of the third quarter, um, they didn't score any touchdowns, and we scored 14 on them. So we right. went up to 24-42, uh-huh. so closing the gap a little bit. Then in the fourth yep. quarter, they scored two touchdowns, went back up to 32, and it was uh-huh. uh, 56-24, so it was back to being kind of out of reach. Right. Um, and then right. near the end of the game, we scored three touchdowns in quick successions, got one off of an onside kick uh, at a point in the game where it didn't matter. Right, where it was garbage time, right? Right. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, uh, and I would argue that uh, uh, coming out of halftime, when you're ahead 42-10, to 10, you know you've got this game won. And, and so it's a natural, it's, a, it's kind of a natural uh, uh, tendency of, of human nature, especially young, ki- young people, to uh, back off a little bit, which they did, obviously, in, in that second half. But the point is, is that when the game was really in doubt, uh, we weren't able to match their intensity at all. True. Yep. And um, I will say, you know, to, uh, it is garbage time, as you say, but to the credit of our players, at least this time we were still putting up uh, something of a fight and getting touchdowns and, you know, making some plays on offense um, yeah. there in the second half. Whereas in the Minnesota game, I, that was the game where I saw like zero effort at any right. point, even when the it was decided and, uh, you know, they might've been playing, you know, some of their lesser talent or whatever, we were still, you know, not able to get anything done. <laughs> Um, so, right. So I prefer this right. this kind of bad to that kind of bad. Um, that's well, no, I, I and I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I mean, the, the Minnesota game was even even worse because in that case we weren't outmatched uh, talent wise. In fact, I would argue that we were strongly uh, had a strong advantage in terms of talent that was on the field. But but again, the the reason we got trounced in that game was almost exclusively about effort and intensity. Mm-hmm. Yep. So going to our predictions, um, we had both predicted the Penn State victories. You had said 54-21 Penn State. I said 63-17. Um, and so the final score, 56-44, I guess you you win between us for being a little bit uh, closer, but I guess n- neither of us were expecting it to be a close game. And it, I guess if you go by that, what was it? I say 56-24 score. Um, that's more of what it was in the but in the fourth quarter when the game was basically decided. So that's kind of what it was, and then we got the three touchdowns in garbage time, as it were. Right, right, exactly. So I guess that's that's relatively close to your fifty-four twenty-one. Yeah, I uh, would say score. So I'll give you that one. <laughs> oh well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, and then uh, in terms of some stats, uh, won't spend too long on these. Um, yeah. Uh, we had 67 Please. rushing yards, 26 attempts for 67 rushing yards. Was they had 35 for 263, and then we had uh, 335. So, so the, let's 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 break those down a little bit. So we had 67 yards on how many rushing attempts? 26. 26. So we rushed it 26 times, and and so just a little over two yards a, a, a pop, and then theirs was 35. For two sixty-three, for two sixty-three. Now do the math on that, baby, right? right. And I, I mean that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's somewhere in the range of six right. to seven. Six, six to seven, right? Exactly. 
Right. Exactly. So that's yeah. That's, All right, and that's then it, and domination. Then, right, and then you look at the passing yards. We were three ninety nine. They had three forty six. Um, with we had forty one attempts for twenty six completions. They had thirty nine attempts for twenty six completions. So pretty much even in the passing game. Um, but right. once again, this is something we've talked about many times in the past: the importance of the running game. You know, unfortunately, uh, Diaco's defense has just completely shown its complete ineptitude in stopping the run game. Yeah, I would say. Yep. Yeah. So. Yep. Especially in recent weeks, yeah. it's like it's gotten worse, and it's because of tackling. And tackling is a is an intensity thing. Right. And well, that's 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 one of the biggest criticisms you know that I would have. Of, of Diaco's defensive, uh, uh, you know, approach has been, I mean, because scheme-wise, I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of three, four schemes out there that would do very well. But the way he's coached this team and the way that they have prepared, it's pretty clear that they don't practice tackling and they don't, ha- they don't practice with intensity. Because if they did, they would behave very differently. They do not behave like a team that wants to play the game of football. Well, this morning I was just listening to their the college radio, football radio, and they mentioned that uh, Alabama apparently runs a 3-4 uh, scheme. Yep. Um, yep. So obviously it can work, you know. Uh, you just have to have the right yeah. personnel and the right, you know, type of scheme that works within right. that, that overall. Exactly. And, and, and aggressiveness and, again, uh, uh, coaching and teaching – a level of intensity in terms of how you play the game, you know, and you don't rely on the kids to say, well, you know, we just have to get them to have their own want to. No, no, you demand the want to. And then once you demand it, they discover, hey, it's fun to play this way. And then they do it on their own as they mature. But you can't expect them to do it on their own because I guarantee you, again, uh, if you to the man, if you went and talked to them, the majority of those players, the vast majority of them would all tell you they're giving as much effort as they possibly can. But you can look at them on film individually and you can say, no, you're not, you're not. Uh, but you just don't, you, you just don't realize it. And that's what a coach's job is. A coach's job is to take you where you didn't think you could go. That's what makes coach, great coaches great is they get you to do things at a level and an and a, and a effectiveness that you never thought was achievable or imaginable on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the last stat I'll talk about, and I thought this was a little interesting, it was, you know, red zone scoring, you know, times you got the red zone versus times you scored in the red zone. Um, both teams were actually perfect in that regard, just looking at the stat. We were 5 of 5, they were 7 of 7. Uh, but I guess, I guess that just goes to show how few times... Uh, we made it to the red zone uh, right. before that that kind of garbage time, as we refer to it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, not not too much more to comment on. You know, it's just kind of repeating the same stuff we've been talking about, about the playmaking and the effort level. Um, unfortunately, at this point, you know, it kind of seems like the team and probably some of the coaches as well, you know, are thinking about, okay, what's my next job going to be, you know, you know that's got to be not that they're vocalizing it but in the back of their mind that's got to be what they're thinking well yeah instead of trying to double down and do what they can to 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 salvage this season it seems like they've packed it in and and both players and coaches have have made a decision that they're just going to kind of wait and see what happens 
at the end of the year, and then we'll we'll start again next year. You know, they've 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 thrown in the towel on this year. Yep, yep. That's unfortunate. Fortunate, but true. It is. It is unfortunate. Yep. Um, so is there anything more you want to say about this game before we move on to the national topics? No, not, not really. Other, other than I think it, uh, it, it's, it's just, uh, you know, again, a microcosm of, of everything that's gone wrong with our season and, um, uh, is pretty, in, uh, predictive, if I will say of, uh, AJ, uh, who has been a guest on this show's, uh, prediction going back to the preseason, uh, he sensed even then that, that, that this coaching staff was going to struggle and that this is the kind of season we were going to have. And he has been just absolutely right on with it yep. Uh, yep. this year. Yep. Well, I think our fans out there must be like, oh, get these losers out of here. Let's get AJ back on. He had it right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got that football mind, I guess. <laughs> All right. Um, so... Now we're going to talk about the playoff ranking because specifically we're going to talk about week 12, the previous week, because the last podcast we did was before those rankings had come out. And we actually gave some predictions on there about the, the who the uh, top four were going to be. Um, and you had said uh, Alabama, Clemson, Miami, Oklahoma as the top four, whereas I had swapped Miami and Clemson, Miami two, Clemson three. Um, it turns out you were correct. Um, that's the way it was last week. Uh, it was Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Miami 3, Oklahoma 4, Wisconsin 5, Auburn 6, Georgia 7, Notre Dame 8. Um, right. Right there, which I was a little bit surprised by because um, I just thought that since Miami had such a dominant win over Notre Dame and that they were undefeated, um, that they deserved it over Clemson. Um, but the committee didn't go that way that week. Uh, what was your reaction to that? Well, I had expected that, and and I think it has to do with, you know, there's a little bit of what, uh, not just, uh, you know, what have you done lately, but the the committee tends to look at things uh, with a little bit longer eye, and uh, and you know, uh, Clemson has earned earned a little bit of respect given the fact that they're the defending national champions, and uh, and so and and the I think the committee also tends to look ahead and recognize that okay. Those two are on a collision course, Miami and Clemson, and they're they're going to play each other in this conference championship game, and so that's going to work itself out. Those two are going to figure it out between the two of them because they're going to play each other, and so I, I think there's a little bit of, of a willingness to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna maintain the status quo here and go with the team that has, uh, you know, I mean, uh, at this point, the Miami program this year is a bit of an upstart compared to where Clemson is. Clemson's the established national power and Miami is a team that ha- that you know has a great history but but has not been in that conversation for quite some time and so they're they're the new they're the new you know flavor to the to the table right no I hear you there um, I'm actually looking up their schedule right now just because I'm curious because um, I've heard uh, I've heard them once again talk on the radio and from hearing clips that the committee is taking into account with Clemson because they had an awful loss to Syracuse, you know, who was like a yes, seven-loss team or something like that this year. Um, but their uh, quarterback mm-hmm. was out, um, so the committee takes that right. into effect, which right. I agree that they should do that. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like having, I mean, no other team in the top, uh, you know, five has a loss nearly that bad. Um 
so right. well, at least I I think so. I'd have to look more closely, but I mean I, th- I think well, that's the worst. So I I think you're probably right about that, Alex. I, but again, what what I'm thinking is is they're they're looking at the overall body of the work, and they are cutting them a little slack on that one loss because of some special circumstances, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but again, and I also think it's because they're not overly concerned because they know those two teams are going to f- face each other. If there was not an eminent Miami versus Clemson matchup coming, say Miami was in a different conference, they were out out in the Big Twelve or something, um, then then that would probably be a bigger issue, and it and and it might very well be that by then by now uh, Miami would have passed them, mm-hmm. which which now they just came out with the new rankings, right? And the new rankings are still um, those four teams, right? But Miami did pass them, exactly, <laughs> right? So there's a little bit of delay, but it ca- it came about, right? Yeah. No, and we'll, we'll talk about that after we talk about the Week 12 stuff. Um, the big game yeah. from that week was obviously Wisconsin and Michigan, and we also gave predictions on that. Um, you had predicted a, a close victory for Michigan, whereas I predicted a close victory for Wisconsin. Uh, and in the end, Wisconsin ended up winning 24-10. to 10, But you were talking earlier about how that score does not uh, show how close the game was. Well, you know, I, I had thought that there were two turnovers. There was actually just one, uh, and, and both teams had one turnover. But uh, the intercept, there was an interception thrown by um, uh, Hornibrook, the Wisconsin quarterback, but I don't recall that being necessarily a, a, uh, you know, an interception that, that took away an impending scoring opportunity for Wisconsin. But the turnover for um, um, Michigan was literally as they were driving in to score, like inside the five-yard line. And so uh, it was a huge turning point in, in the game for them. If you look at things like first downs, it was 13 first downs to 14 first downs for Wisconsin versus Michigan. So so virtually identical there. Um, Wisconsin ultimately did have quite a number of additional yards. Um, and, that, and again, mostly came in the rushing game. You know, Wisconsin's defense, which is one of the best in the country, held Michigan's rushing offense to 58 yards while, while they uh, ran for 182. And so, uh, you know, that's the difference of the game. We just talked about rushing statistics and how that tends to be much more of a predictor of, of whether or not the team was successful in terms of putting points on the board. Um, there, Here's another example of it, right? Uh, just like in our game at, uh, in Nebraska, where we actually uh, threw for more yards than the other team, uh, but they were irrelevant yards compared to uh, the, what they were able to get done on the ground. Exactly. Yep. So. Yep. Well, and to be fair, it goes both ways. You know, um, I, once again, just listening to the radio, they were bringing up that you know, how good uh, Wisconsin's defense is, how good their rushing game is, how good their offensive line is, and then the guy followed up with but they can't pass, you know, um, right. which isn't, you know, entirely true, but compared to the other top teams, they're definitely lacking in that regard. Um, right. So it can go and, and that will the opposite probably become, way. That, that will probably become the Achilles heel of Wisconsin if, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, assuming that they win this weekend and beat uh, Minnesota, you know, they'll be 12-0, and undefeated, and heading to the conference championship game to play most likely Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they're going to have to find a way to beat an Ohio State team 
you know, uh, and, you know, given their history, Wisconsin's pretty good in that conference championship game. So, so they very well may win that game and maybe win it, uh, you know, not comfortably, but I mean, they may win it uh, in their traditional fashion, let's say, um, uh, you know, with dominant running game and, and cause that John, Jonathan Taylor's the, the real deal. Um, and then if they get to that point where they're 13 and 0, well, then they're going to get into that playoff. But once they get in that playoff, those, the teams they'll face in that playoff, they'll almost all likely be able to dispose of Wisconsin pretty comfortably. Right. I, well, know. and, uh, I was going to save this for later, but let's talk about it now since it's on our minds. Okay. What, in terms of the committee, is their job to get like the most deserving teams to get into the top four, or is it to get like the best teams in college football, like no matter where they're from, the four best teams to get in there? Because I could see a scenario where Clemson and Miami play each other, and let's say that uh, Clemson wins, so now both yeah. those teams have one loss. But you could right. make the argument that, well, if Miami and Wisconsin played each other head-to-head, Miami would beat them. And so they're the better right. team, and so they deserve to be in over an undefeated Wisconsin. Okay, uh, and, and so uh, they're gonna, uh, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth, or I'm going to, uh, I'm going to reflect the talking out of both sides of the mouth that, that I believe the whole college football playoff structure says. They have built into their system uh, a, a couple of things. Uh, they have they they place a higher priority on being a conference champion. So so winning your conference matters. It's a big deal, and it and it's and it uh, is given greater weight than just win loss record. Okay, uh, and they and that was put in to the system to specifically uh, make sure that in most years, if not all years, that the majority of the, of the major uh, power five conferences are going to be represented in that group of four, right? So that there would not be uh, a circumstance where one conference might occupy two. I mean, because the argument could, could be made that there might be a year when a, a, an individual conference has three teams that, that you could objectively look at and say, those three teams are all three of the four best teams in the country. Okay, but but it's not likely that'll ever happen. Uh, I, in fact, it, it's going to be a rarity when two teams from the same conference get into the playoff. Uh, it'll ha- happen, but but it's going to happen very rarely because already you've got five power conferences and uh, only four spots. So somebody is being left out every year, and if all of a sudden two of those five were left out, so that one conference could have two participants, uh, trust me, that, that wouldn't go over real well. So I believe that the, the reality is, is that the, 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 to, to make sure that, it, that this, the, the sport of college football does not become a regional sport and it remains a national interest and a national uh, sport, they need to have all of those different conferences from the different regions of the country represented. And so there is a little bit of a compromise from what you uh, said at the beginning there, your obje- objective of, of having the four best teams, regardless of where they're from, that's what they'll say, that, that the goal is to, to get the four best teams. But they're, they're going to get the four best teams within reason, given the five power conference structure that we have. Mm-hmm. I think that's a more accurate way to put it. Yep. No, I agree with that. And I, you know, uh, 
that's what was so interesting about uh, Notre Dame when they were still in the conversation. You know, they right. them being in as an independent, which meant that there, there would only be three uh, teams from the conferences, possibly even two. We talked about some crazy scenarios with that. Um, so the, right. there, are, there are ways that the wrench can kind of be thrown in there. Um, but I would certainly agree in the scenario where I laid out where um, Miami loses to Clemson, so they have one loss, and then Wisconsin beats Ohio State, and they're still undefeated. I, w- I would be personally very upset, even though I'm not a Wisconsin fan, if Wisconsin was left out if they were undefeated. Oh, I would be furious. I mean, that you have to... You have to put Wisconsin in there. If they've gone through a Big Ten conference schedule and a Big Ten conference championship game and remained undefeated throughout that whole process, uh, and then you say no to them, uh, yeah, that that's going to bring that's going to bring on some problems, no yeah. doubt. All right. Um, and so uh, this past that past weekend of college football, um, we kind of knew it was kind of a lesser weekend. There weren't as many uh, big games, which we're going to talk about in a bit with what the SEC is doing there. Um, but there were um, two upsets of interest that I saw. Um, the most surprising to me was that uh, Kansas State beat Oklahoma State 45-40. Definitely didn't see that one coming. No, but every year, you know, um, uh, Bill, Bill Schneider – uh, is able to do that at least once or twice uh, where he plays uh, a team and it basically causes them to play down to, to their to his team's level. He, uh, he is able to maximize the talent that he has every year. And very consistently he does that and, uh, and, and he tends to get uh, make it a slugfest. Every game he gets into, it ends up being a slugfest and because over the years he's found that that, is basically a neutralizer. You have a team in Oklahoma State that was high-flying, one of the most explosive offenses in the country earlier in the year, and you know he gets them muddied into the into the you know ground, and all of a sudden uh, you know things don't go as easily for his uh, for for these uh, these other teams, and and it gets kind of you know close, right? And then one turnover here or a mistake there. And bam, he's able to steal a victory. Yep. And then the other upset of interest was uh, Wake Forest beating NC State 30-24. Um, I'm blanking on who NC State played somebody of significance earlier in the year, and they beat them. Um, the, the NC State got beaten by them, so that now that means their their schedule is taken down a little bit. But I don't remember who oh, it right. was. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Up. I don't either. But... Uh, um, and again, that's that, that's the, that's kind of what happens this time of year, right? That's where some of these upsets starts to happen, and and there might be some explanations if you dug a little deeper. You'd find out that, you know, some key players were missing from uh, NC State, or or with this stupid ejection rule, uh, maybe a significant player got ejected, i.e., the Ohio State uh, Iowa game where Ohio State's you know heart and soul on their defense got ejected in that game early. And it totally changed the dynamic of Ohio State's team. Right. Uh, yeah. They so they actually played. They played Notre Dame, and then they played uh, Clemson. Af, yeah, the week after. Yeah. So they had right. two big and, games back to back. Right. And so they were probably beat up and emotionally drained and everything. And they they were actually beating 
Clemson, if I remember correctly. That yeah, might that, be. That game was close. You're correct. Mm-hmm. The Notre Dame game was not so close. And so our last uh, topic would be to predict the score of the upcoming Iowa game. Um, it is going to be at home, and Iowa, I believe they they lost to Purdue. Is that right? No, no? absolutely not. No, they no. Well, they lost to they lost who to, did they play this? Yeah, they lost last week, uh, but it wasn't Purdue. Yeah, but they lost to somebody of lesser talent. Uh, is yes. what I'm getting to. I guess it could have been. Dang it. You're, you're freaking me out now. <laughs> I'm looking but, it up yeah. right now. Um, but Okay, good. You uh, can probably find it faster than me. Yes. Uh, see, I was right. It was, yeah, uh, 24, uh, Purdue 24, Iowa 15. Wow. That just blows me away. That is just not possible. After they beat o- blows me away. Ohio State by like 30 points. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's inexplicable. That's uh, but. Yeah, that's 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 oh. that's Iowa for and, you. And it's a Friday game. I didn't actually know that until I looked this up. That's interesting. Uh, our game. That is crazy. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a, it's always the Black Friday game. It's, it's been that way every year, buddy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just forget so, every year. So, uh, yeah. So. Uh, so right. personally, so. I'm going to predict that Iowa wins, um, but I'm going to hope that being a home game and being Senior Day. And that Iowa has shown some vulnerability that uh, we play well and go out on a respectful note at least. We don't get blown out. So I'm going to predict that Iowa wins, but let's say it'll be uh, 32 to 27. I'll go with that. 32 to 27. Hmm. You know, I, I agree with uh, your contention. But just to be uh, contrarian and to uh, and to be opposite of you, I am going to suggest that that Nebraska is going to win this game. That we are going to rise. That our, our seniors are going to play with an intensity that we haven't seen in quite some time, frankly. And they're going to they're not necessarily playing for coach uh, uh, coach's job because I don't I don't think there's anything that they could do that would change that. Meaning. Even if they win, I don't. I don't think Riley keeps his job. I think he's gone either way. Uh, but I, I believe the players will play for each other in a way they haven't in the past, and um, and I'm hopeful that the crowd and everything will will be into things um, um, and uh, and cheer the guys to victory. So I'm going to take the same score as you, but Nebraska wins. There we go. Okay. How about that? All right. <laughs> I, I like the sounds of that. Let's hope it plays out that way. Yes. All right. Good stuff. Um, so, uh, yep, that, and it's crazy because, unfortunately... Hey, let me let me ask you a quick question then. Okay. So you talked about how important the Alabama-Auburn game. Who are you picking there? Uh, yeah, I, I thought we might talk about the big games. Um, I'm definitely picking Bama. Uh, I, yeah. I don't think they're... Although, let me look up real quick, unless you know where it's being played. I, I don't. Nope, I do not. Uh, that so that that might be. Interesting. I'm thinking it's at Auburn. I think you're right, um, but I, I'm going to take Bama and I'm going to take Ohio State um, in the Michigan game as well. Um, Me too. It, it is at Auburn. You're correct. Um, it is at Auburn, but I, I think Alabama wins and comfortably. 
And uh, I think Ohio State, Michigan is closer than people think, but Ohio State wins. All right. Well, just to make things interesting, I'm going to say that the Bama-Auburn game is close and that the okay. Ohio State game is more of a blowout um, to okay. go opposite of you. There we go. <laughs> I like it. There we go. All right. But, yeah, um, the, I guess it's it's interesting that next week's going to be our last uh, podcast of this football season since the Huskers uh, won't, won't be going bowling. Uh, yep. So Well, it'll be uh, the, the last one for the for our seasonal weekly ones, but we're going to obviously have some as uh, as some of the announcements come out that we're anticipating. Uh, uh, we'll have to have a, a you know a, a conference or two about the new staff and etc. Oh yeah, when those probable uh, events occur. Yep, and we'll talk about the conference championship games and who gets right. picked for the playoff and all that fun stuff. Um, right. So we'll still have podcasts. Yeah, but yeah, they may not be weekly. Uh, after the season ends right yeah exactly okay sounds great all right well if you out there enjoyed listening to us you can email us at huskerpete13 at gmail.com you can find us online at uh, footballthrowdown.podomatic.com you can listen to the podcast there leave a comment uh, or you can find us on itunes at college football throwdown leave a rating or review let us know what you think of the podcast how we can improve And uh, I want to thank you all out there for listening and you, Dad, for co-hosting with me. And until next week, go Big Red. Go Big Red.